Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 90, the big niner zero. Hi, guys. Hi there. And how are you this fine day? I think I'm pretty good. Sun is shining. I can see Pikes Peak. We're in between snowstorms. From here at the Grace World Studios. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we're going to continue a conversation we had last week. Um, we're going to go from talking about our image of God, and then we're actually going to jump into some things and connect that with the wilderness. Mm. Wandering. See, we always, when I hear wilderness, when you hear wilderness, what was your first reaction? I'm going to say a year or two ago. No. No, I don't want to go in the wilderness. You're going to be torn up and tortured in it's the wilderness be lonely and scary and mm, i'm miserable. not gonna like it all right well last week previously on our episode of grace world <laughs> we talked about some things with really it's the i guess how would you call it the false imagery or maybe not imagery i don't mean to use image, that word images images that we may have that are the idols. Uh, yeah. Idols. They're the insufficient understanding and views of God that make us think of Him in incomplete, poor, improper, uh, distorted ways because they really are not a full understanding. We recognize you can't have a full understanding of God due to His greatness, largeness. Yeah, I think the the ta- the. the- the point of connection here isn't that we should have a full image of God, but that mm-hmm. we should not have lots of small images of God. Right. So really bad. You, you it's up to you how open you can be to understanding God. Yeah. You can have a more narrow mindset or a more specific box or a more, uh, contextual understanding based on your own experience or based on your, your own, uh, study or your own thoughts. Um, and if that is solely your, your definition of an experience of God, then you're going to have a a lot of conflict in your life, both within yourself and with others. So in my opinion, having a more open idea or, or mm-hmm. openness to what are the other I what are some other ideas of mm-hmm. God what are some other ways of thinking about God and knowing God helps me in uh, relating yeah into to the world and to him and to myself and to people so that to me that's the goal yeah it's not I, I have a bigger box than you so nanny nanny. We have a really big box, and so <laughs> we're, we can wander around in our that big comp- box. That comparison stuff is just, that'll kick you in the butt. So we, so we talked about, you know, what are the images that we have about mm-hmm. God? And when God said, don't bear a false image before me, you should have no graven images or false images before me. We took that to a, a level, since we don't live in a society that has a lot of obvious Here's right. my God statue. This is right. God. I put this in, in, in our world, Dan right. and I's world. We don't have, as far as I in know. In America, that's not common. We don't have in Christianity. Yeah. There's not a lot of, this is God. Here's my 
God sector of my house where I have an altar and an idol and this is where we we're talking mm-hmm. we're taking that to a different understanding so yeah. that culturally we can say well where, what do I have in my mind about what God looks like and where is that a false image of God mm-hmm okay and I know I was actually this was shower thoughts yesterday or something I was thinking <laughs> shower about thoughts with Dan yeah, no, I was going through, you know, because we all have either denominational or specific religious upbringings. And sometimes, you know, the part of the blessing of a denomination is you tend to get a complete package of theology. Um, the downside of that is we can often think that that package is the correct exact package. And the reality is different denominations do different things better and worse you know and it's not like any one and, and this is we want to have humility as we go forward here because we're not trying to say oh we got it all figured out and everything because if you look through history at even the beginning of much of our stuff you can go look at people like um john calvin he thought up all sorts of great stuff. I mean, he really codified and understood a lot. There's some things that I would disagree with with him. And there's some places where he made some big mistakes. He he burned some of his, after he got to power, he burned some people at the stake that he disagreed with. And it's like, okay, that's uh, problematic. Martin Luther, I mean, he was kind of the core of the Reformation. He came up with some wonderful new understandings. Actually not, you know, he's kind of going back trying to get back to the Bible. Um, but in his later life, he became very anti-Semitic. Um, and even Augustine, back in the 300s, I think he was, one of the first guys to really clarify doctrine and write it out. But there's probably some ideas he had that I would kind of, I definitely bristle at, but he did great stuff and was an important part of the church. All these guys were important, but sometimes what happens is we think if I want to agree with somebody, I have to agree with everything. If I'm in a denomination, I have to agree with everything. And what we're saying here is it's good to have moorings, but make sure the moorings don't keep you from ever getting to the deeper things or the deeper truth and fully, because we're responsible ultimately to know what we believe and to understand why we believe it and to continue to grow in that. So that's just kind of a quick shower. That was my shower thoughts the other day is, yeah, we need to be responsible for what we believe and recognize there's people we want to respect and honor, but that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything they said. Mm-hmm. And that's a good starting point because I know if you're a non-conflictive person, sometimes to have a, an area where you don't agree is uncomfortable. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about what you mean we have a responsibility for what we believe because okay. I, bet we, I yeah. bet we have some different thoughts about that. Okay. I'm just, I think probably the foundation Who are we that, responsible to? Uh, ourselves <laughs> first of all mm-hmm. you know because sometimes what happens is we can coast so let's say I'm a Baptist I can go and say I'm a Baptist okay so I do Baptist stuff I believe whatever Baptist you know theology is and I'm not saying plus or minus yes or no but ultimately I need to have to grow as a person and to grow in relationship I need to know do I really believe all of it or it's part of the process as I grow towards God is to evaluate 
the elements that I allegedly believe, you know, because I go and say, oh, yeah, they got a faith statement, blah, 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 blah. Okay, why do I believe those? And make sure you know why you believe these things. Make sure you have a cohesive view because here's kind of what I think I felt part of my discovery in my life was if you have a, how would I call it, a self-contradictory theology. So if you start to notice in your life the things you believe, some of them clash with each other, something's probably wrong in your particular theology or belief system. You know, so in other words, if you believe Jesus died and took away all your sins and you believe I need to go get forgiven for my sin every day, there's a there's a little collision there that you need to reconcile of yes or no, am I forgiven or not? Because those two ideas don't go together. Well, in some people's minds, they do. They, they kind of. In some people's minds, they, they kind of, are a paradox. It's uh, one of those paradox situations. Yeah, maybe, but um, uh, I'll so say I'm headed go, somewhere with yeah, that. All right. I I think you're right. We are responsible to ourselves. Right. We are not responsible to any other organization or any other. Uh, and by ourselves, I mean understanding who we are, uh, how God is in us, Mm -hmm. how God is in us. I'm responsible to to God in me. And let me throw one other point there. I'm not saying everybody needs to be spending their whole life studying theology, thinking deep thoughts, and making sure they have an absolute perfect uh, framework in theology. What I'm saying is really, you need to grow in God. And part of that is you may need to revisit some of the things that you think you think and find out whether you really think them and those really are true. I will be so bold as to say it's not you may need to think. If you are pursuing life and living a full life, you will come into a place because I believe God will lead us into right. places. He will knock out those images, those places where we attached ourselves to an image for whatever reason, yeah. quite possibly a good reason, at some point in our life to have an understanding about how life was going and to understand God in that moment. But if we hang on to those images, uh if we if we hang on to what we think is mm-hmm. truth and applicable in every situation this truth is applicable in every mm-hmm. situation we're going to find some inconsistencies right in ourselves and we are going it's easy to say that doesn't fit in my box so i'm going to dismiss it instead of my box needs to be shattered because there's something else to learn here and to understand and to be a rich human being and as I am open to being, uh, to letting things crumble yeah. or shatter, I will grow, which is what you're talking about. Right. I will grow if I don't hold so closely to, and I'm going to I mean, the, the truth is the truth, but the truth is manifested infinitely. Yeah. So for me to say, this is the truth for me and all other persons everywhere, you're, you're going to run into some, right. you're going to butt heads with people. Not that butting heads with people is wrong, but it's good to evaluate why am I butting heads with this person? Yeah. 
where is the disconnect between how we're communicating mm-hmm. and does whatever I'm communicating factor in the character of God of love right. and complete compassion for this other person and how they are moving through life. Right. And once again, we're not saying throw out everything you believe and everything you believe is wrong. It's like, no, sometimes when we have an idol, what we really have is I'll put it this way as an analogy. We have a 2d flat picture of something. Paper and it's Mario. like, it's not wrong. It's just, that's not very expressive of the whole. A statue gives us more because now I can walk around it and see some different angles, but even that isn't moving and it's not living, you know, it's a better image, but it's still a restricted image. So what we're saying is let's go from 2d to 3d, then 3d to movement life. Yeah. And then then get into life. What image can we trust? Right. What, what image can we trust? We are made in the image of God. We can trust that uh, us as a human, I have God's, I have God. Mm -hmm. I am made in his image. I don't just have his image. I have him. I have her. I have God. We need to pay attention. And so (laughs) I, I can trust that I have that in there and it's, it's going to take a process for me to, to discover that and be, be able to, to trust myself right. quite honestly, or to trust God in me. That's, that's what we get the whole lifetime for. Well, that goes opinion, to that idea is to trust that God in me, I'm living because God is in me and I can continue to know what to do in any given situation or to know how to treat somebody or to know how to make a big decision or to know how to problem solve or to know how to care for an aunt. You know what I'm saying? Like I have it in me. Mm -hmm. I have it in my mind. I have it in my soul. I have it in my body. I have it in my spirit. God is in all God is that in me. And, and that's some of the legalism that we're trying to break apart is the legalism that says, I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, that's not a, that's not a biblical thing. <laughs> I know the words are there. Yeah. Well, actually they're kind of, well, but I, I think that's the be- sinner saved by grace is not in the Bible, but there is things to talk about. What I'm, or, what I'm saying but, is yeah. I'm open to breaking apart some of that verbiage right. and finding out why, why is that? What's the inconsistency between that and I'm fully forgiven? Right. I'm fully loved. While I was yet a sinner, God, Christ died for me. Mm-hmm. God went to, where can I go where I'm not in your presence? Can I go to the depths of hell even? And I'm still mm-hmm. in your presence. Those inconsistencies drive me nuts. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I, it, may, it forces me, quite honestly, mm-hmm. to open up and shatter some of those boxes right. and say, then, and not that I'm going to have everything figured out i'm not by the time i die i'm gonna say there's a big thing that you're mentioning that isn't even been mentioned the fact that god is with you i think a lot of people would think god um is elusive and uh what are the words for that not a he's a part he's a he's far away he's a part he doesn't necessarily want me Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a big hurdle for some people. They believe that that's part of that f- 
In fact, you don't even have a 2D image. You have a bad, blurry photograph that was, you know, <laughs> taken while you're driving down the road and you're swinging your phone out <laughs> is your image of God. It's so distorted. And it's like there's a good place to start is I think God wants to actually talk to you. He actually does want you involved and he's willing to actually talk to you. He's there That's to be so, with you. He's willing to actually talk to you. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to give you a minimal. I know you are, but <laughs> wow. For people to think. I've known people where it's I like know, God, they like, view that God, God is, hates them or is so angry with them. And it's a do not gaze upon me feeling in their lives. And that's just, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm actually, I would love to delightfully tell you, God really does want to hang out with you. And and here's the thing. Life is that journey of discovering those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I, it's take, we've been on this journey. Dan and I have been on this journey both before as kids and, and young adults. And then when we got married, we have been on this journey of discovering that everybody gets the opportunity for that journey. That's what mm-hmm. I think this life is about. Yeah. This life is about journeying through and enjoying that discovery process. Sometimes I get really ticked off at some of the errors that I, or, or abuses, quite honestly, the spiritual yeah. abuses that I suffered sometimes that I need justice in those moments. Yeah. I get really upset about them, but also at some level I'm learning to trust those and trust and enjoy that the process is good. Yeah. I, the process is in my word this year. Did we talk about this? I think we did wonder. Wonder is my word this year to kind of help me have a, a grounding of where Ooh. I'm discovering God. And, uh, if you're not on a journey, it's going to be hard to find wonder. Yeah. There's something every day for me to go oh, about. Yeah. And, and, and that is a delight. It's That's a, a wonderful place to be. Enjoyment right? thing. And some days there's only one little, oh, and some days there's a whole bunch of them, <gasps> you know, or at least I'm missing all the ones if there's only one, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a hard spot or you're in a lot of pain or you're just, you know, it's winter and good grief. Are we ever going to get to spring? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's things that come against us and it, those parts are hard to say. I delight in those parts of the journey. Right. But allow the, that that's where I feel like no being open to discovering new things about God and seeing God with a bigger, better image, like as in each other, find the image bearers, find the places where people are living in the presence of God Mm -hmm. and exploring that and connect with them and get energy and, and life and encouragement in those places, because that's where you're finding Mm -hmm. God. You're going to find God in each other. Yeah. And yeah, in fact, you got to keep trying because this is, I've met a lot of people. I know many people who they had a bad experience somewhere in the church. And I'll be honest, Becky and I have had lots of bad things happen because of people in the church. And I think one of the things you can do is you either say that is church and that is God. I think intrinsically. So a lot of people do that and then they go away 
And what they do is they end up in a place that's even sadder, that has no health or very little health. And my encouragement is to say, find a better place, find another one. And if you have to just keep going, and I know people talk about church hoppers, like, I don't care if you have to keep looking and looking to find a place with people who care for you and that you can engage in real relationships, keep going till you can be encouraged by other people. But first of all, of course, you have to spend, you have to keep going with God in spite of the things that you see people do you to you. Mm-hmm. People will definitely do you wrong, even good churchy people christian people <laughs> will yeah, will hurt christian you people you know and it's like but keep going and recognize where god is and who those people are and that rec- know the difference between god and people which is ironic considering we're talking about god being in people. yeah talk about a paradox sometimes people don't express god very well exactly in their, that, that, in but their, that doesn't mean he's not there so let's contrast that with the wilderness. Okay, so where we're going to talk like, about out, how if what about peop, what about you know the fact that Jesus was led by the Spirit away from people, away from mm-hmm. the church, away from community for a period of time into yeah. the wilderness. Yeah. What what is that about? Yeah. Are be, there seasons mm-hmm. of wilderness in our lives? <laughs> yeah, and I think we often think of the wilderness as something punitive that God is punishing or and as something well, it's like because that. of what I was just quoting the passage right before Jesus started his ministry mm-hmm. he was baptized by John the Baptist the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove and immediately mm-hmm. he was led by the Spirit into, into the wilderness to be tested by the devil mm-hmm. that's why I think people think it's punitive yeah and That's why I think I, which is punitive. It doesn't mean there isn't without. Because what's in the wilderness? Wait, wait. Let's explore okay. this a little bit. Let's not just go right to the what. Okay. What's the wilderness about? What's what do you think of when you think of wilderness? Well, my chain uh, recently, I have a different thought of it. To me, the rem- wilderness is the place of, for me, for uh, to go into it, is the removal of anything which is not God. Oh, you jumping ahead again. Way too far. Yes, literally. What is a wilderness? Oh, it's a place. Well, I guess you'd say without people, the accoutrements of life, the conveniences, the luxuries, uh, maybe not even food. Um, well, in Jesus' instance, there wasn't yeah, for 40 a, days anyway. Right. It is conceptually at a minimum. It's a rough place. It's a minimum. It's a minimum. There you go. It is a minimum. You are, you are, it's you and the elements. Yeah. It's you and the wild animals. Mm -hmm. It's you and the, I got nothing to wipe my butt when I go to the bathroom. You have no cell phone coverage. You have no cell phone coverage. Yeah. It's just. Jesus, think about that. Jesus did not have cell phone coverage in the wilderness. (laughs) That's how bad it was. Right. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Okay. So, so we, especially Uh we Americans, people living in any kind of culture, we don't, 
If we were living in a lot of comfort, going to the wilderness seems like a happy place for like maybe two days. And then then you get dirty and then you get, although there is a big resurgent actually for back to the wild, back to, and that's what I want to talk about. What's in the wild that (laughs) is good? Uh What's in the wilderness? What Mm -hmm. does the wilderness force you to do? Okay. It gives you the potential to do. It, It forces you to, it removes your dependencies on stuff. What if it's funny, I'm sitting here in my studio looking around. I'm looking at my room. I've got a stack. I got two different stereos here that ones, I think they both have states of disrepair. I've got a an oven for cooking uh, circuit boards and doing reflow. I've got just stuff. And I, we've talked about, man, if we ever move, it's going to be a trauma <laughs> to move all this stuff. And I think the wilderness is, says, you get no stuff. There's no All stuff. All your stuff is gone. That's interesting because you're, we're facing each other. So he's facing <clears throat> the storage area. I'm facing the window and looking at Pikes Peak and the mountains. And so my image of the wilderness. From the beautiful Grace World Studios. <laughs> you already said that. Uh, yeah. I said it again. <laughs> That's wilderness to me. Like, yeah, well, you know, Pikes Peak is, I've well, never, that's part of the wilderness is. I've never hiked Pikes Peak. A lot of people do. It's beautiful until you got to go walking around there and you got no right. food and, and I'm everything's a camper, gone. Baby. And, I am not a wilderness person. I love the outdoors in my backyard. I love the or outdoors. Or in a nice little park. Until it's time to go to bed. And then it's like, time all to go right, to bed or time I'm to not sleeping on the dirt need anymore. Need a shower or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So go back to what you're saying. There's yeah. I mean, a, you I went can't up, depend on anything. Right. I mean, heck, I even remember going backpacking when I was young and highly fit. And it's like, you know what? Of course, this is up in the mountains. I wake up every morning with a headache. And I don't know if that's the altitude or lack of water and stuff. And it's like, it's a challenge up there. You move slowly, especially up at altitude. You, you got to move slowly. Okay, that's also valuable mm-hmm. to think about right there. Yeah, you don't run around in the wilderness. You're not gonna. You you are. Uh, you expend energy wisely. Because. Because you don't have that you don't much. You have a lot to of ex- air to breathe. Yeah. You're not in your typical space. Or you don't have space. a lot of food to eat. You know, there is no. Or you're not, especially if you're not conditioned. Yeah, Some even people if you're in, I mean, you could it. be in the desert in where Jesus was, and it might have even been below sea level, depending on which one he was. So he had plenty of air, but food was kind of lacking. So you're not really wanting to run around without food. Yeah. So let's get on with that of the idea of we've. <laughs> Kind of excoriated the all the principles of the wilderness. We're going to talk about the wilderness. We're talking about a place that is you have to you have to survive on your own instinct, on your own situational awareness. You have to manage your situation in every way, Mm -hmm. and really, the only thing that you can rely on is you and God in you. Yeah to survive and to and and I have, so we've been thinking about doing this podcast so we had a little heads up I've been thinking about what was Jesus doing out there what was mm-hmm. he doing out in the wilderness if if he was fully and he is God and fully aware of the human needs because when you read after 40 days he was hungry 
I think the hunger was physical because mm-hmm. I don't want to dismiss in any way the physical physicalness of being in the wilderness for 40 days. But I wonder, was he also spiritually hungry? Like, did he in the wilderness, was God quiet? No, you, you're says, shaking your head. No, but I'm curious about that. Well, it says the angels men came and ministered to him. After, after huh? he was tested by the devil, mm-hmm. the angels came and ministered to him. Like, what did he need to learn the spirit was on him so the spirit mm-hmm. of god led him into the wilderness mm-hmm. but what was what was going on in his relationship with himself and god was it this holy oh i don't need food moment or was he doing like any man or woman would do grappling with the first three days of mm-hmm. oh my gosh my body says i need food oh my gosh i need water was he experiencing the humanity of mm-hmm. aloneness? I think so. And mm-hmm. doing the mental things that we do when we are alone <clears throat> and there is nobody to rescue us or save us or fetch us bread or whatever. And you have to come to Fetch-y grips with. <laughs> yes. You have to come to grips with your own. I am the only one responsible for me right now. Mm-hmm. I have to take care of me. I think that's true, but I do think he spent a lot of time in prayer and talking to the Father. And we can that, only surmise this. We actually we don't can, know. But I think it's, it is his pattern that we know that that is a pattern of his life, of getting away to be alone, to pray, and spend time with the Father. And I would have a really hard time imagining him not doing that while he was out in the wilderness. Oh, I think he did, mm-hmm. but I think... I, I, I'm curious about that looking differently than what we think about in our prayer times. Yeah. I think there was some, this is just coming to me in, a mo- in my own moment here. Maybe there was a bookend situation where, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was pleading with the Father. He was grappling with his own psyche and his own body that knew it was headed into something terrible. I wonder if at the front end of his ministry, there was the seeds planted of that in that wilderness experience where he realized it really is just you and me, father. Yeah, It really is. And, and what he had to come to grips with in his own self about that. You think that may be so, I mean, and now I know after a long time, I, I've, I've done some long fasting, nowhere near that, but I know after a while, your brain starts getting weird, and I think you do actually get kind of, uh, you get connected to the spiritual, I think, after a while, because your brain starts doing different things, like after a week, you, things are different in how your brain operates, part of it's confusing, part of it is you start thinking differently, a uh, whole lot of different stuff goes on. Okay, so you just said you start thinking spiritually. What does that mean? I didn't say thinking spiritually. I said, well, I guess I said, I can, we can play the instant replay and see what I, <laughs> You use I the word spiritual. Yeah. What do you mean? I think you become more aware, more sensitized to there's more here. I, it's hard to describe. I mean, the longest I've ever gone is a week. And it's just your brain starts operating a little differently. 
and you're kind of more heightened aware of just a lot of stuff. I think that's so vague. You're all, it is. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's like, you got to go try it yourself to go do it yourself. If you well, want to know. I, so it's, it's hard to describe. I mean, a lot of it is just also you go into it. Simultaneously, your brain is moving slower too, because just the lack into of food, protective your, mode. Yeah, your brain mm-hmm. is kind of, I got to conserve energy. Yeah. And so you move slower, your brain's operating slower, but. So your dependency goes up. I, yeah. I'm trying to unpack that spiritual business. I'm also curious about the fact that we're talking about this. And I think Lent, I think Ash Wednesday is coming up pretty darn quick. Also, we're also Super Bowl Sunday where everybody's going to eat nachos. So it's kind of a similar idea. Okay. No. <laughs> what? Anyway, a lot of people for Lent. Lent, nachos. They give up things like yes. nachos. They give up things to try to ex- understand because it's the 40 days before Passover for four days before Easter, basically Good Friday is actually. Yeah. That's what Lent is. To try to understand Lent is a Lent. is a practice. L E N T Lent is a practice to try to put your body into submission, basically, at some level to say, I want to uh, mm-hmm. try to experience what Jesus' experience experience was in the wilderness. I had no idea that that was I'm gonna say that this was a spirit led subject here because I did, we did not plan this to be around Lent, but that seems that there seems a connection there. Yeah. I, anyway. Anyway. Not that we do a lot with Lent. I haven't ever. I, I'm definitely not going to fast 40 days for Lent. I I'll think just I tell did you that. eat something once one year for Lent. But uh, it you spiritually, it might be a good idea to think about. For forty days, pick a time. Forty days anyway. February twenty second. Yeah, yeah I was starts. gonna say we're gonna we're headed into. A there you go. Lent. But next week. Um, we grew up Baptist. They didn't have Lent. They did. So. We didn't. And that's so. neither here nor there. I'm but. just. I'm saying there is maybe a good uh, for anybody who is trying to decide should I put myself in this situation and discipline myself to have a practice. This might be a good time. Okay, are we in a wilderness? Have you and I been in wilderness places? We have been in wilderness God? places. And there's times, I think we've had definite huge wilderness experience. Uh, I think there's times you go into momentary, I would call it a momentary wilderness, where you kind of go through something and you just go, well, you just know this is something you have to deal with or you and your spouse. It's like we have to be in this together and for some period of time because either people aren't there or it's a crisis involving other people or whatever. I think there's times where you have to go through that kind of stuff. Is that too vague? Very. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So why would God lead you into a wilderness? Um, because he's, he's punishing us? We started to use the punitive no, word. No, I think minute. those in particular, actually, that I was referring to, because those were kind of the shorter things, those are more, I think, responses to have a time of, of healing and, um, what would I say, re-energize to refocus. Re-deepen. Re-deepen, refocus. So... Yeah, I think that's a place where, because uh, sometimes we just need a, a something that puts our brain 
Um, it's the same as fasting in some sense. There's, you know, fasting can be something people really get carried away about of, oh, you have to fast, you need to fast, blah, blah, blah. So, and I think sometimes it is taught poorly in the sense that you have to fast to convince God to do things. You know, it's kind of that. Uh, We're talking about fasting for spiritual reasons. Right. Um, yeah, not to lose weight. Um, like there's that verse, which is actually probably not in the Bible where, because I think it got added later where it says, Jesus says this time only comes out with prayer and fasting. That was probably actually a later addition and it's not in the earliest texts. Um, so I think sometimes there's that belief that if I can just fast something, I can make things happen. Now, I think there is an actual power where in fasting, it, and I think the same with the wilderness, it breaks away some of our physical dependencies of how our brain works of believing we need certain things of dependence the dependency we mentioned earlier it mm-hmm. breaks us of some dependencies mm-hmm. and says you know you don't have to have that you don't need to do this and so it's a retraining of our brain it's a separating us out from because i think we actually build up dependencies associations and things connect in our mind of what we need on a daily basis that may or may not be true you know i need to be on my phone i need to eat this i need these and even though you wouldn't worry yeah and even though you might not tell people i have these needs what the fasting or the wilderness does is it says no you don't and it allows your brain to disconnect those external dependencies and say, what do I really need? What do I want to really focus on in my life? And it's a conscious way and a removal of everything which is not God. Let me, that's a beautiful segue. I'm going to read some more out of this book. Actually, I don't think I read last week. Walking in Wonder, Eternal Wisdom for a Modern World by John O'Donohue. And uh, I'm reading, he's actually quoting um, from a guy named Meister Eckhart from the 1200s or 1300s. He says, so many people get totally hooked on a certain image of God, and that is where they stay. It may be a negative image of a judge who is watching you, a parental superfigure that keeps your life crippled. God isn't like that at all. He is the ultimate welcome and hospitality to everything that is alive within you. So if you really live your life to the full, you are activating the presence of God within you. Eckhart would see our human destiny as that of awakening the presence of God within us, but also freeing ourselves of everything that is not God. He sees the soul as the place in which God is alive within us. Hmm. And that's what you were just saying. I think the point of wilderness, a point of wilderness, is the place of a stripping away of all the things that we rely on to keep our minds busy or to keep our bodies busy or to keep our purpose going. Um and it's mm-hmm. it's an intentional uh, habit or discipline to give yourself a period of time or to allow God to do it or however you want to say that. 
I'm thinking more and more my decision and God's decision are the same. But anyway, okay. be drawn into wilderness places when it when you feel the need to do that, right. which is the whole point of Lent, um, is to set that up for people. Because that's the point. Well, I don't want to get all that. But anyway, I to me, I, right now I'm thinking, I know what I need to do. I need to get rid of worry. Mm-hmm. I need an intentional 40 day period wilderness time from worry. Yeah. Where I don't feel like I need worry to help me function. Really? Was worry is not helping your functioning? It's it somehow at some level, I seem to think it does. That if mm. I worry or think through a situation to the point where it consumes me because that's right now what I think worry is Mm -hmm. to try to pre-think through a situation to where I'm consumed by that and I'm forced out of the moment to think into the future about what might happen Yeah, I'm forced out of this moment to think into the future about what might happen that to me is worry Mm -hmm. if I am in that state of mind that's called pre-traumatizing yourself yeah (laughs) If I'm in that state of mind instead of in this moment where God and I are trying to connect to whatever's going on in this moment where I, where God filled I, I shouldn't say God and I, where God filled me Mm -hmm. is in this moment, living this moment Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about what's to come. I can see a wilderness to get myself worry free. That's going to be a good thing. Okay, so there's our challenge this week is where... What to, yeah, what to do with wilderness. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a wilderness and maybe you feel like you're in a wilderness and you didn't choose it, mm-hmm. or you're in a dry place and you don't know what to do, be curious about that. Why? What's going on in this wilderness place? What is this wilderness, this place? Picture yourself out in the middle of the mountain. Or wherever you are, desert, yeah. whatever the mount, whatever the wilderness looks like for you. Picture yourself in that place, and think about what is being stripped off of me. Mm-hmm. What is this opportunity giving me to be stripped off of, to where I'm distracted and can't be in tune with myself, who is fully known by God. Mm. What is God? stripping me up in this wilderness because he is drawing me into a deeper place of enjoyment with him. Mm-hmm. I like that. Me too. Okay. So. All right. Well, for some of us, the wilderness is looking out in the yard and seeing snow again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being stripped of being able to garden. We went to to uh, Phoenix last weekend, and I uh, just because it well, we have kids that live down there, so of course we wanted to go down and see them. But I brought back three geranium plants from a nursery down there because I am so ready to garden and see mm. some fresh new things bloom and grow. So I kind of <laughs> I cheated a little bit. I didn't start my own geranium seeds this time. I brought back that's cheating potted plants and put them in my sunny front window and they are bringing me so much joy i think it's a little hopeful moment like hang on becky it's coming Mm -hmm. spring is coming it will come and you will have your season of growth and 
So that's where I'm at. All right. Well, we hope you have a season of growth as well. And hey, let us know where you're at. Write us at uh, podcast at grace.world. Visit us on the various accoutrements at True Grace World and uh, call us at 833-85-GRACE. But uh, thanks for listening and being part of our journey as we go in and out of the wilderness. Have a great week, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.